Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special Independence Day episode of Talking About Our Generation, the first under our new name, Our Gen Pod. In keeping with our current focus on civility, we want to share a little gem we recently discovered a collection of handwritten notes found in George Washington's papers, apparently copied into his school book sometime around 1746, before he was even 16 years old. The list is known as Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation. It gives a fascinating glimpse into the high standards of polite society that shaped our first president. Many of the rules may seem a bit amusing today, so I hope you'll excuse me if I read them slightly tongue-in-cheek. Also, bits of the original text in his own hand were chewed away by mice. So where there are gaps, we've given the mice a voice. After all, the erosion of civility is sort of the theme of our series, and those mice make a great metaphor. Young George Washington's rules clearly show how our ideas of civility and politeness have changed over the years. A lot of our behavior today would have been considered shockingly bad manners in his time. But there are many rules that I think you'll agree are very relevant today, especially on our Independence Day. So without further ado, here is Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior by young George Washington, copied from the original in 1888 by J.M. Toner, M.D., and accompanied by a medley of the music Washington might have enjoyed, and some mice. Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation by George Washington The text following is an exact copy from the original manuscript, having been carefully compared with and corrected therefrom, even where errors or omissions are obvious. First, Every action done in company ought to be with some sign of respect to those that are present. Second, when in company, put not your hands to any part of the body not usually discovered. Third, show nothing to your friend that may affright him. Fourth, in the presence of others, sing not to yourself with a humming noise, nor drum with your fingers or feet. Fifth, if you cough, sneeze, sigh, or yawn, do it not loud, but privately. And speak not in your yawning, but put your handkerchief or hand before your face and turn aside. Sixth, sleep not when others speak, sit not when others stand, speak not when you should hold your peace, walk not on when others stop. Seventh, put not off your clothes in the presence of others, 
nor go out your chamber half-dressed. Eighth, at play and at fire it's good manners to give place to the last comer, and affect not to speak louder than ordinary. Ninth, spit not in the fire, nor stoop low before it. Neither put your hands into the flames to warm them, nor set your feet upon the fire, especially if there be meat before it. Tenth, when you sit down, keep your feet firm and even, without putting one on the other or crossing them. Eleventh, shift not yourself in the sight of others, nor gnaw your nails. Twelfth, shake not the head, feet, or legs, rowl the eyes, lift not one eyebrow higher than the other, wry not the mouth, and bedew no man's face with your spittle by a... Thirteenth, kill no vermin as fleas, lice, ticks, etc. in the sight of others. If you see any filth or thick spittle, put your foot dexterously upon it. If it be upon the clothes of your companions, put it off privately. And if it be upon your own clothes, return thanks to him who puts it off. Fourteenth, turn not your back to others, especially in speaking. Jog not the table or desk on which another reads or writes. Lean not upon anyone. Fifteenth, keep your nails clean and short, also your hands and teeth clean, yet without showing any great concern for them. Sixteenth, do not puff up the cheeks, loll not out the tongue, rub the hands or beard, thrust out the lips, or bite them, or keep the lips too open or too close. Seventeenth, be no flatterer, neither play with any that delights not to be played with all. Eighteenth, Read no letters, books, or papers in company, but when there is a necessity for the doing of it, you must ask leave. Come not near the books or writings of another so as to read them unless desired, or give your opinion of them unasked. Also look not nigh when another is writing a letter. Nineteenth. Let your countenance be pleasant, but in serious matters, somewhat grave. Twentieth, the gestures of the body must be suited to the discourse you are upon. Twenty-first, reproach none for the infirmities of nature, nor delight to put them that have in mind thereof. Twenty-second, Show not yourself glad at the misfortune of another, though he were your enemy. Twenty-third, 
When you see a crime punished, you may be inwardly pleased, but always show pity to the suffering offender. Too much at any public. 25th. Superfluous compliments and all affection of ceremony are to be avoided, yet where due they are not to be neglected. 26th. In pulling off your hat to persons of distinction as noblemen, justices, churchmen, etc., make a reverence, bowing more or less according to the custom of the better bread and quality of the persons. Amongst your equals, expect not always that they should begin with you first, but to pull off the hat when there is no need is affectation. In the manner of saluting and re-saluting, in words, keep to the most usual custom. 27th. Tis ill manners to bid one more eminent than yourself be covered as well as not to do it to whom it's due. Likewise, he that makes too much haste to put on his hat does not well, yet he ought to put it on at the first or at most the second time of being asked. Now, what is herein spoken of qualification in behavior and saluting ought also to be observed in taking of place. And sitting down for ceremonies without bounds is troublesome. Twenty-eighth, if anyone come to speak to you while you are sitting, stand up, though he may be your inferior. And when you present seats, let it be to everyone according to his degree. Twenty-ninth, when you meet with one of greater quality than yourself, stop and retire especially if it be at a door or any straight place to give way for him to pass. Thirtieth, in walking, the highest place in most countries seems to be on the right hand. Therefore, place yourself on the left of him who you desire to honor. But if three walk together, the middle place is the most honorable. The wall is usually given to the most worthy if two walk together. 31st. If any one far surpasses others, either in age, estate, or merit, would give place to a meaner than himself. The, the one ought not to accept it, so it above once or twice. 32nd. To one that is your equal or not much inferior, you are to give the chief place in your lodging, and he to who tis offered ought at the first to refuse it, but at the second to accept, though not without acknowledging his own unworthiness. Thirty-third, they that are in dignity or in office have in all places precedency, but whilst they are young, they ought to respect those that are their equals in birth or other qualities, though they have no public charge. 
34th. It is good manners to prefer them to whom we speak before ourselves, especially if they be above us, with whom in no sort we ought to begin. 35th. Let your discourse with men of business be short and comprehensive. 36th. Artificers and persons of low degree ought not to use many ceremonies to lords or others of high degree, but respect and highly honor them, and those of high degree ought to treat them with affability and courtesy, without arrogancy. 37th. In speaking to men of quality, do not lean nor look them full in the face, nor approach too near them, at least keep a full pace from them. 38th. In visiting the sick, do not presently play the physician, if you be not knowing therein. 39th. In writing or speaking, give to every person his due title according to his degree and the custom of the place. 40th. Strive not with your superiors in argument, but always submit your judgment to others with modesty. 41st. Undertake not to teach your equal in the art himself professes. It flavors of arrogancy. Courtesy be proper to the dignity of his place. Same with clown and a prince. Forty-third. Do not express joy before one sick or in pain, for that contrary passion will aggravate his misery. Forty-fourth. When a man does all he can, though it succeeds not well, blame not him that did it. Forty-fifth. Being to advise or reprehend anyone, consider whether it ought to be in public or in private, presently or at some other time in what terms to do it, and in reproving show no signs of choler, but do it with all sweetness and mildness. Forty-sixth. Take all admonitions thankfully in what time or place soever given. But afterwards, not being culpable, take a time or place convenient to let him know it that gave them. Forty-seventh. Mock not nor jest at anything of importance. Break no jests that are sharp-biting, and if you deliver anything witty and pleasant, abstain from laughing thereat yourself. Forty-eighth. Wherein you reprove another, be unblameable yourself, for example is more prevalent than precepts. Forty-ninth. Use no reproachful language against anyone, neither curse nor revile. Fiftieth, be not hasty to believe flying reports to the disparagement of any. Fifty-first, 
Wear not your clothes, foul, unripped, or dusty, but see they be brushed once every day at least, and take heed that you approach not to any uncleanness. Fifty-second. In your apparel be modest, and endeavor to accommodate nature, rather than to procure admiration, keep to the fashion of your equals, such as are civil and orderly with respect to times and places. Fifty-third, run not in the streets, neither go too slowly nor with mouth open, go not shaking your arms, not open the toes, nor in a dancing. Fifty-fourth, play not the peacock, looking everywhere about you, to see if you be well decked, if your shoes fit well, if your stockings sit neatly, and clothes handsomely. Fifty-fifth, eat not in the streets, nor in your house out of season. Fifty-sixth, associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation, for tis better to be alone than in bad company. Fifty-seventh, in walking up and down in a house, only with one in company if he be greater than yourself, at the first give him the right hand, and stop not till he does, and be not the first that turns, and when you do turn, let it be with your face towards him. If he be a man of great quality, walk not with him cheek by jowl, but somewhat behind him, but yet in such a manner that he may easily speak to you. Fifty-eighth. Let your conversation be without malice or envy, for tis a sign of a tractable and commendable nature. And in all causes of passion, admit reason to govern. Fifty-ninth, never express anything unbecoming, nor act rules of moral before your inferiors. Sixtieth, be not immodest in urging your friends to discover a secret. Sixty-first, utter not base and frivolous things amongst grave and learned men, nor very difficult questions or subjects among the ignorant or things hard to be believed. Stuff not your discourse with sentences amongst your betters nor equals. Sixty-second, speak not of doleful things in a time of mirth or at the table. Speak not of melancholy things as death and wounds, and if others mention them, change, if you can, the discourse. Tell not your dreams but to your intimate friend. Sixty-third, a man ought not to value himself of his achievements or rare virtue or kindred. 
64. Break not a jest where none take pleasure in mirth. Laugh not aloud, nor at all without occasion. Deride no man's misfortune, though there seem to be some cause. 65th. Speak not injurious words, neither in jest nor earnest scoff at none, although they give occasion. 66th. Be not forward, but friendly and courteous. The first to salute, hear and answer, and be not pensive when it's a time to converse. 67th. Detract not from others, neither be excessive in commanding. 68th. Go not thither where you know not whether you shall be welcome or not. Give not advice without being asked, and when desired, do it briefly. 69th. If two contend together, take not the part of either unconstrained, and be not obstinate in your opinions. In things indifferent, be of the major side. 70th. Reprehend not the imperfections of others, for that belongs to parents, masters, and superiors. 71st. Gaze not on the marks or blemishes of others, and ask not how they came. What you may speak in secret to your friend, deliver not before others. 72nd. Speak not in an unknown tongue in company, but in your own language, and that as those of quality do, and not as ye vulgar. Sublime matters treat seriously. 73rd. Think before you speak, pronounce not imperfectly, nor bring out your words too hastily, but orderly and distinctly. 74th. When another speaks, be attentive yourself, and disturb not the audience. If any hesitate in his words, help him not, nor prompt him without desired. Interrupt him not, nor answer him till his speech be ended. 75th. In the midst of discourse, ask... But if you perceive any, stop because of to proceed. If a person of quality comes in while you're conversing, it's handsome to repeat what was said before. 76th. While you are talking, point not with your finger at him of whom you discourse, nor approach too near him to whom you talk, especially to his face. 77th. Treat with men at fit times about business, and whisper not in the company of others. 78th. Make no comparisons, and if any of the company be commended for any brave act of virtue, commend not another for the same. 79th. Be not apt to relate news if you know not the truth thereof. In discoursing of things you have heard, name not your author. 
always a secret discoverer not. 80th. Be not tedious in discourse or in reading, unless you find the company pleased therewith. 81st. Be not curious to know the affairs of others, neither approach to those that speak in private. 82nd. Undertake not what you cannot perform, but be careful to keep your promise. 83rd. When you deliver a matter, do it without passion and with discretion. However mean ye person be, you do it to. 84th. When your superiors talk to any body, hearken not, neither speak nor laugh. 85th. In company of these of higher quality than yourself, speak not till you are asked a question, then stand upright, put off your hat, and answer in few words. 86th. In disputes, be not so desirous to overcome as not to give liberty to each one to deliver his opinion, and submit to ye judgment of ye major part, especially if they are judges of the dispute. 87. As becomes a man grave, settled and attentive, Dick not at every turn what others say. 88th. Be not tedious in discourse. Make not many digressions, nor repeat often the same manner of discourse. 89th. Speak not evil of the absent, for it is unjust. Ninetieth, being set at meat, scratch not, neither spit, cough, or blow your nose, except there's a necessity for it. Ninety-first, make no show of taking great delight in your victuals. Feed not with greediness, cut your bread with a knife, Lean not on the table, neither find fault with what you eat. 92nd. Take no salt or cut bread with your knife greasy. 93rd. Entertaining anyone at table, it is decent to present him with meat. Undertake not to help others undesired by ye master. Ninety-fourth. If you soak bread in the sauce, let it be no more than what you put in your mouth at a time. And blow not your broth at table, but stay till cools of itself. Put not your meat to your mouth with your knife in your hand, 
neither spit forth the stones of any fruit pie upon a dish, nor cast anything under the table. 96th. It's unbecoming to stoop much to one's meat. Keep your fingers clean, and when foul, wipe them on a corner of your table napkin. 97th. Put not another bit into your mouth till the former be swallowed. Let not your morsels be too big for the jowls. 98th. Drink not nor talk with your mouth full, neither gaze about you while you are drinking. 99th. Drink not too leisurely, nor yet too hastily. Before and after drinking, wipe your lips. Breathe not then or ever with too great a noise, for it is uncivil. One hundredth. Cleanse not your teeth with the tablecloth napkin, fork, or knife. But if others do it, let it be done with a pick tooth. One hundred and first. Rinse not your mouth in the presence of others. One hundred and second. It is out of use to call upon the company often to eat, nor need you drink to others every time you drink. One hundred and third. In company of your betters, be not... Then they are lay, not your arm, but uh... One hundred and four. It belongs to ye chiefest in company to unfold his napkin and fall to meat first. But he ought then to begin in time and to dispatch with dexterity that ye slowest may have time allowed him. One hundred and fifth. Be not angry at table, whatever happens, and if you have reason to be so, show it not, but on a cheerful countenance, especially if there be strangers. For good humor makes one dish of meat a feast. 106th. Set not yourself at ye upper of ye table, but if it be your due, or that ye master of ye house will have it so, contend not, lest you should trouble ye company. One hundred and seventh. If others talk at table, be attentive, but talk not with meat in your mouth. One hundred and eighth. When you speak of God or his attributes, let it be seriously and reverence. Honor and obey your natural parents, although they be poor. One hundred and ninth. 
Let your recreations be manful, not sinful. One hundred and tenth. Labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. Finney. <laughs> I hope you had as much fun listening to that as I did reading it. You can see a copy of the original handwritten text on our website, plus links to the music. Speaking of the website, we're happy to announce our new, much easier to type name, Our Gen Pod. That's O U R G E N P O D dot com. There's a new feature that we'd really like you to try. Now you can record an audio comment in your own voice directly via the website using your computer or phone mic. Just click on the mic button on any page or go to the comment page to try it out. We'll try to include your voice in a future episode. We really want to hear from you. We also need to make a serious appeal for your support. We can't keep doing this without a little help from our friends. Please, if you're able, click on the donate button on the website and help us cover the rising cost of producing this podcast. And spread the word. Ask your friends and family to join us at rgempod.com. And stay tuned for part two of our interview with Dr. Shepard Siegel about his books on disruptive play and the trickster in history, myth, and culture. Finally, I can't go without expressing my thanks to the creative genius of Rob Wilson, our director and co-producer, without whom this podcast would not be possible. I'm Julian G. Simmons. Happy Fourth, and thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all content in this podcast is copyright unauthorized films. This podcast includes copyrighted material, which has not always been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This content is used only where it is the specific subject of commentary by us and our guests as part of our effort to advance understanding of issues of social and historical significance. We believe that this constitutes a fair use of the material in accordance with the Fair Use Section of U.S. Copyright Law Section 107, which reads, the fair use of a copyrighted work for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research is not an infringement of copyright. Further information on this claim of fair use may be found on our website at ourgenpod.com.